Welcome to Q4Q, the Queer Personals podcast. My name is Haley, a they-them archivist in Baltimore, Maryland, and this show is not for children. What does that mean? Don't let your child listen to it if you don't want them to hear swear words, sexual fantasies, kinks, and or other fun stuff that will likely come from our mouths. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. this bite-sized episode of Q4Q. This format is a small, cute review of things that I found during my research that I wanted to share with anyone who will listen. And today, I want to talk about a little thing called Midnight Voice Jail. So what the fuck is Midnight Voice Jail, you ask? Well, as a concept, Voice Jail is calling into a voicemail box and talking about whatever you want, screaming, performing poetry, whatever, and not knowing if the person ever listened to it or thought about it at all. Or maybe they did and they spliced it up into different audio things and put it back out into the world. So a few months ago, I was keyword searching personals in the Metro News, which was published in San Jose, California. And an article mentioned a story about how voicemail ads inspired a man to create a radio show mashing all kinds of files together into a sort of audio collage. So a little bit of background with that is codename Mr. 115 signed up for the Metro Times personal ad voicemail service in 1986. And once you purchase that subscription, callers could submit to any of the other voicemail boxes all listed in the newspaper. So naturally, Mr. 115 called all of them one at a time. And somewhere in this methodical frenzy, he reached the voicemail box of the World Suicide Club. This was a voicemail box where calls were cut up and used by the owner, Ed Note, as outgoing messages on the box, which inspired and attracted more weirdness. And so he had these little collages going on. And um, 
after about three weeks or so, uh, he announces that the mailbox is going to be going down. He's not going to renew it. And so I broke character, you know, from the screaming, yelling, cussing madman to just, you know, talking like I'm talking now. And I said, hey, you know, I'm sorry to see that you're not going to renew the mailbox. And I'm a dude that usually calls at 1.15 in the morning. And, uh, and then he changed the message about an hour later, and he addressed me as Mr. Winston. He also announced that he was going to keep the mailbox running because he enjoyed getting the freaky messages that he was getting. And while I had stumbled across it, quote-unquote, accidentally, uh, he had been placing little advertisements in the back of the metro, advertising the World Suicide Club and the voicemail number, and so it uh, was apparently attracting, you know, at least some freaks from the Silicon Valley. And eventually I placed my own personal ad, got my free voicemail box, attracted about seven responses, and became disappointed that I wasn't meeting the love of my life, so I turned it into Club Manic Depression and started doing similar things to the World Suicide Club. And, uh, and he would advertise my number on his mailbox, I would advertise his number on my mailbox, and then uh, the next mailbox to come was this guy named Ross and Club Foot. And after him, shortly after him, Ronald Redball, Got a, a, you know, got a mailbox and started calling his mailbox the Global Maverick Society. And so we were all just, you know, doing similar things, you know, movie clips, song clips, poetry, and collage, taking, taking the incoming messages, chopping them up, and replaying them on our outgoings. And it just, uh, it just kept building and building uh, until it peaked around 1990, when there were about 50 mailboxes in the voice jail community. And we all didn't know each other, but we knew each other existed, you know. But yeah, it was it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, just sprang up out of nowhere and then eventually just evaporated. And so as you hear in this Midnight Voice Jail's first episode, Mr. 115 began his own box, the Club Manic Depression, and a man named Ronald Redball started his own voicemail box called the Global Maverick Society. And then, so this kind of kept building. Uh, many more boxes followed. The heavy traffic of people using this voicemail box, or all of these voicemail boxes, often overpowered the systems of the day. So voicemail systems at this time were basically meant to only capture messages while people were away from the phone. But the voice jailers, as the box scene participants came to be called, were using them in ways that they weren't designed for. And so it was kind of, quote unquote, pushing technology to its limits, according to the National Cynical uh, Network's fact page. And so at the, its peak, at the peak of the voice jail frenzy, there were at least 50 different mailboxes, all of them interacting with each other, trading and rebroadcasting more and more reconfigured messages. Today at 12 a.m. In the years before the personal computer, there was the telephone. In the days before the World Wide Web, in the wee small hours before the dawn of email, there was voicemail. From the late 80s to the mid 90s, in the suburban sprawl of Silicon Valley, there existed a community of voicemail box owners, or voice jailers. Story. These are our voices. This is Midnight Voice 
So we can, I'm going to give you a little rundown of like some of these weirdos. So the first person listed from the National Cynical Network's character page is Angel Demonique, box 8016. She's the former hostess of the show Club Manic Consciousness on KFJC, which was a show in which Midnight Voicemail premiered. Um, and she was also involved more in the 90s voice jailing scene as well. Ronald Redball was one of the founding members of voice jail voicemail scene from the 80s and 90s in Silicon Valley. He has been on well over 40 over-the-edge slash negative land shows and runs the midnight crap show live radio da-da mixes, which are on the off nights when new episodes of Midnight Voice Jail are not ready on Wednesday night at midnight time slot on the KFJC. The Bay Area representative, aka Jim, not to be confused with Phineas Narco, quote Jim, below, um, a visually impaired former 70s, 80s era phone freak with a PH. He plays the keyboards, votes Republican, great speaking voice. He was an administrator on some of the systems as well as a voice jailer, and he now resides in Kansas City as of 2011. Ed Note, the sardonic recluse who, that started the World's uh, Suicide Club, the box that started it all, one-time roommate of Mr. 115. I have no idea if that's true. Father Luke, a former priest, really, frequently can convincingly adapt the voice of an old man. What's the meaning of this? Imparter of sage observation. Involved more in latter years of the scene, came up with the term voice jailers, and now tours the country doing stand-up as of 2011. And this was written. Joe Sledgehammer, box 8819, one of the core members of the voice jail scene. His name is taken from the short-lived TV comedy show Sledgehammer. And Sledgehammer retired in his early 30s proclaiming, I've worked enough. But in his voice jail days, he worked at the liquor store in Mountain View, California, known as, quote, the liquor store. He lived in an apartment above the store in his very cool swinging bachelor pad. Can make voices sounds like that of underground radio personality Joe Frank, whoever the fucking is. Mr. 115, box 8817, a.k.a. Steve, a.k.a. Alexander T. Newport. The resident stoner slash philosopher of the group. He runs Club Manic Depression on a system where he frequently reads poetry, spews venom, and inner peace alternately, and rails against conformity, the illusion, and the human race in general. He's dark, intelligent, brooding, and sensitive. Al is the shadowy third member of the group, most active during voice jail years as Mr. 115. Al is currently living in Kent, England, with his wife Chrissy and their four cats, as of 2011. This was written. Mr. Chemist, a.k.a. Scotty or Scott. He's quote-unquote not an actual homosexual, but quite often playing one on the telephone. He also adopted the alter ego Penis Boy, Mr. Chemist's young ward. Mr. Chemist did both voices of himself and Penis Boy, taping and speeding up one voice and then interacting with it as the other on his outgoings. This man probably has issues. Phineas Narco, box 8164, a.k.a. Jim or Jim B, not to be confused with the Bay Area representative. He produces, compiles, and edits the Midnight Voice Jail. He's an infrequently heard on actual taped calls, peripherally involved in the scene in its heyday, sometimes heard on Negative Land's show Over the Edge. So Phineas Narco is 37 years old as of 2011. Um, he was living in, in San Jose, California, and he has worked in audio collage 
or found sound since the mid-80s. In between therapy sessions and his frequent dosages of mind-altering medication, Phineas works on the National Cynical Network projects and web publishes his thoughts and experience with life, the mental health system, his illness, and his projects, his ongoing online journal, of course, Live Journal. And it still lives there, if you want to look it up, in the Wayback Machine. In the year 1999, he created the Midnight Voice Jail Show. And so now that we have somewhat of a grasp on some of the people that were involved, we're going to hop back into the Midnight Voice Jail history. So Phineas Narco, hashtag Sienna, was fascinated by the concept of devoting a voicemail box to abstract thoughts, absurd comedy, and dark humor. He became part of a network of 20-something slackers of the 80s and 90s Silicon Valley who took over these voicemail boxes. And throughout the mid-80s, Narco would often call into various late-night improvised surrealist radio shows, two being the Subgenius Show and Negative Lands Over the Edge, both of which aired on KPFA-FM. Eventually, he became an in-studio guest on several occasions, and he aired some of his live sound collage mixes on these shows. At some point during this period, Narco, along with Ronald Redball, Will Ryle, and Alexander T. in Newport, hashtag Mr. 115, they founded this uh, national cynical network. I'm not really sure when that happened. And this sought to play with music using sound, video media samples, and in the process of media collage or uh, quote-unquote mediage. So this mediage is divine as a process of artistically appropriating material from the media, synthesizing it through the filler, uh, through the filter of the artist's subjective experience of it, and then recasting it back into the media environment. And Midnight Voice Jail was how they did that. It was typically a half hour of this kind of mediage experience. Narco started it, this in 1999, and it ran until 2003 as a weekly Wednesday feature on KFJC's radio show, Club Manic Consciousness, once again, hosted by Angel D. Monique. So, Wednesday nights between 12 a.m. and 12.30 a.m., the Midnight Voice Jail graced the airwaves. Yeah. 
Narco spliced recordings together into these segments, and they were about half of the material came from the late 80s to early 90s voicemail boxes. One of the most infamous episodes premiered on September 11, 2002, a year after the tragedy, um, and it was called simply 2001. It was an hour long and opened up the show's seventh season, which was known as Life Sentence. Um, I'm pretty sure it ruffled a few feathers of whomever listened to it, but maybe not, considering they were all kind of underground kids. At Metro Active, did a whole article on the episode shortly after, um, and I present an excerpt from this article, which you can also find online, and I will tag in the notes. So this was written by Richard Von Busick, uh, and it's called The Sonic Geeks of KFJC's Midnight Voice Jail Bring You That September 11th Show. And I quote, you may start your message now. On midnight, September 11th, the least reverent memorial to the immemorial day will be broadcast on KFJC FM 89.7. The show begins with the voice of an important TV newcaster wrongly totaling the day's death toll as 50,000 over a drum track. It's the season's opener of the Midnight Voice Jail on the National Cynical Network. Would people be pissed at us for setting the broadcast to a techno drum beat? Sienna asks. Well, it's interesting how well-suited it is to the dramatic techno drum beat, isn't it? This 9-11 dance mix follows a treated version of the 2002 State of the Union Addressed, the Midnight Voice Jailer redoubles G.W. Bush's double talk through electronic ellipses. Quote, Our militaries put the United States of America out of business. We must act together, not as Republicans, not as Democrats, da 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 da, but as a terrorist underground, da da da. The final priority of our budget, da da da, is sorrow and pain for the American people. Thunderous applause by the Congress and the Senate. So the show ended up having seven seasons in total. Season one was called Jail, Two, War. Then Pluto, Release, Riot, Short Stint, and finally Life Sentence. So also in so in an article called Senten Sentencing Listeners to Voice Jail by Brad Cava, which was written in 2011 at the San Jose Mercury News, he writes, You hear romances breaking up and coming together, dope deals going down, crazed teens complaining about Jimmy Page concerts, depressed souls talking about Prozac, movies, inability to sleep, board travels to San Francisco conventions, all one-sided. So much of the radio is formulaic and by the numbers, says Sienna slash Narco, 36 of San Jose. We wanted to really blow out the rules and do something that hadn't really been done before. Uh, so this interesting snippet from the NCN webpage struck me in terms of thinking about how quickly technology was changing at this time and the, the fascinating ethos of the 90s in general. Many of those who look down on the boxes as lame or a waste of time have computers and blogs today, 2011. Many more had their own collection of tapes from recordings received and sent, as well as the public creative outgoing messages. Obviously, people who left messages realized they were being recorded, and it was widely known that such taped material was being collected, freely circulated, and would someday be used for something. In retrospect, the voicemail box scene, as described above, was a kind of internet before the internet. It utilized the unintended artistic social networking, entertainment, and yes, even journalistic potential of voicemail box systems much in the same way websites do, intentionally, today, many years before they even existed. 
Voicemail boxes were used as public journals, creative outlets, political soapboxes, and in general, an alternative media source within the scene. It should be noted that the utilization of these voicemail box capabilities was experimental in nature and not originally intended in their design. Rather, these uses imposed in a creative DIY fashion by its users who often hacked squatted, as well as rented the voicemail boxes largely as a reaction to the erosion of physical public space, which throughout the necessity of invention created its own space on the phone lines using technology that was available at the time. So, the voice jail scene did break up around the mid-90s. This reason seemingly being that the internet became more freely available and so all of the voice jailers kind of disbanded into forums. And so I leave you with this. While the idea of the midnight voice jail isn't intrinsically queer, it does queer the idea of what a voicemail box was and is, and it definitely plays on the idea of personal ads. It was a thing for weirdos, and what could be more queer than that? Press 1 to validate, 2 to review, 3 to record a personal message, 4 to play or pound to exit.